0: Welcome to A Football Show, Thursday edition. He is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall, and yes, we survived our trip to Kentucky with Sinkers. One of the coolest experiences of my career. We'll explain. We actually got some footage from the trip, so we'll show you some of that. We'll talk Titans as they are done now for a while, right, Zach? Like like nothing's happening. July 25th, I think. Yeah, we got like a whole month off here with no Titans news, which uh, sounds great for me. I don't know how much fans want that, but we got some reaction to all of Titans OTAs. Christian Fulton back on the practice field. We'll get to that, of course, and all of the fun and exciting SEC schedule news that came out on Wednesday evening. Uh, I am pissed off for greatness today, Zach. You are. Just going just gonna to let y'all know. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm going to explain that all in just a second. But our wonderful people, the, the Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. A big part of why I'm uh, pissed off for greatness is I need more Kingston group in my life is really what what it comes down to. Uh, And I'll explain a little bit more about that. But how are you, sir? Good to see you, my man.
1: Doing good. Uh, All packed up, ready for the uh, trip after this. I got about two hours before leaving the house right now.
0: There you go. You got... uh... Is, that, is it a wedding? Is that where yeah, we're going? Yeah, we're going to a wedding, a wedding? Uh,
1: Dearborn, Michigan. And mm. after stepping outside for most of the day today, I cannot wait for that <laughs> Michigan summer weather because it is it is humid as hell outside right now.
0: Yeah, yes, it is. Although my plants need the water, so I will take that part. Uh, so does my lawn. How, so here's the deal. Ryan Tannehill apparently is a pilot now. Christian Fulton is back at camp. Malik Willis has developed nicely. What did, will, what did we learn from Will Levis? So will we, we will, again, react, react entirely to Titans OTAs and mini camps now that it's all done. The players get a break. The media gets a break. The fan gets a break. We're going to have uh, camp starting up at the end of July, as you alluded to. We do have awesome SEC schedules. So many awesome football games to look forward to, especially you, Vanderbilt fans. Uh, so, many, so many good football teams coming to your town. Um so we're going to talk about a lot of stuff but we've got to at least start with what took place on Tuesday because you talk about the weather here in Nashville. The storm came through Sunday night, the humidity died down a little bit here in Nashville. But my god what a gorgeous day it was Tuesday heading up to Bardstown, had lunch in Bardstown all of this courtesy of Sinker. So before we explain it, should we just show the people what it looked like before we go? Yeah, in depth here. So again, football show brought to you by the Kingston Group and Sinker's Beverages. Two amazing people, two amazing companies, locally owned and operated. Uh, they took us to help select the Russell's Reserve Ten Year Barrel Pick for Sinker's Beverages. The only, only barrel in the world. The only place you can get this barrel that Zach Lyons helped select is at Sinker's Beverages. So here is what it looked like so we arrived at the wild turkey distillery about 1 p.m we walk into the oldest rickhouse on the property built in 1894 it's stacked six stories high with barrels of brown water as far as the eye can see they have over 800,000 barrels of whiskey on site
1: (laughs) we just have one mash bill at wild turkey so whether it's going to be russell reserve kentucky spirit um master's keep anything like that just depends on how long it's in the barrel and the finished proofing got it So for single barrel, we have Kentucky Spirit and Russell's. We keep it between 8 and 10 years old. Russell's will be bottled at 110 proof, non-chill filtered, and then Kentucky Spirit's a little bit lower, 101 proof and chill filtered. Oh, Oh, this is nice. I'm not even as mad at Nate as I was a minute ago. (laughs) So as long as it passes proof above 110 and passes sensory and it's between 8 and 10 years old, we can use it for single barrel.
0: In all, we tried six different barrels. We learned about bungholes and whiskey thieves, eventually narrowed it down to two. We got to retaste those top two. We argued a bit, settled on Russell's barrel number one. It was 116.8 proof, and it was barreled on December 10th, 2013, and it will be available only at Sinkers in just a few months. It was one of the coolest experiences of my career, so special thanks to Sinkers and, of course, to all of you who listen to a football show. There you have it, Zach. The sights and sounds of a trip to Wild Turkey Distillery. What a cool idea, man. Sinkers, thank you, guys. It was so much fun. Tim Dodge already in the comments. Joe, main man Joe, featured prominently in that video. (laughs) What a great day, dude. It was so awesome. The weather was great. What a great idea. Great job, sinkers.
1: Well, it's it's great because not only did we get to taste and pick, they actually listened to us. Now, I don't know if they listened <laughs> to us, but they at least heard us out when we were talking about the different barrel picks. Um, and I think Adam, I think me and Adam were on a little bit different page than the rest of the group. We were trying to get a different barrel picked, but they were all really good. They all had, it's it's wild to me that even though the process is essentially the same from barrel to barrel, The difference in flavors are just, they're wildly all different. I mean, they were distinct six barrels that are like lit on fire the same way, (laughs) placed in the same building, (laughs) all had distinct different tastes. And what's really cool and what they're going to do is they're going to allow a bunch of people. So if you go join the in crowd, we're giving you a heads up. Go join the In Crowd, and around I think October, end of September, beginning of October, they are going to release that barrel pick in bottles. It's going to have the Sinker's uh, logo on it. It's only a bit Sinker, so you got to join the Sinker's In Crowd. I've recently learned that there's a Sinker's In Crowd, and then there's the Bob that is. uh, So that's different for Bluegrass. So if you joined the Bluegrass In Crowd version, you're not on the same list. So there's two different like reward uh, systems there. But this is for sinkers only. So you got to go join the in crowd there. And I've heard there may be a bottle or two given away on this show.
0: So we're going to have a couple of free bottles we're going to give away. But also, we're going to get a couple of cases that we can sell to VIP customers on this show. So we're going to get probably 12 bottles, possibly, of this stuff. And I think your point is, like, I don't know about you, the things that I learned the the most about the process. like I kind of know generally how it's made generally but when you get into that rick house which by the way is one of the coolest places i have ever been and it's it looks like this old chernobyl world war ii like house like and literally built in 1894 and we go in there and there again six stories of barrels thousands of barrels in this warehouse and i think you're exactly right we have six separate barrels sitting there with the exact same recipe (laughs) right (laughs) the exact same recipe stuck in six different barrels of the exact same product all six tasting wildly different. And then we kind of narrow, as I said, we narrow it down to two and then we argued about it. We use lots of fancy adjectives that nobody really would use in public, but like, you have to do it for this process. Like, Oh, it's very complex layered honey on the back end. And it's easily and approachable on the front end the the burn kind of lingers. Like we just, we have all these fancy conversations. Uh, Tim, Tim can attest. Uh, But like they show you on the wall, how long it takes you to burn each barrel on the inside. And they've got four different tiers of burn. And we're talking seconds, right? Like right. at one point, uh, by the way, shout out to Grant, who was the, the gentleman in the video, who's our host. He was awesome. And so there's one that's like the top burn, which is the, few, the least amount of burn, which is like 15 seconds of burn. Then it's like 30 seconds of burn. Then it's like 45 seconds of burn. And then it's like a minute of burn. And that, is, that can completely change the entire you know, flavor of the, of the bourbon. But all these barrels were even burnt the same. So it is amazing. Like even where the barrel is in the warehouse can change the flavor and how it seeps into the wood and how the wood changes it. It was just eye-opening experience into how much care Adam and Nate put into picking something for their clients and doing something like for the people that want it and trying to do the best possible job, which is I cannot believe they let us be a part of that process. (laughs) But honestly, truly one of the coolest things. So thank you to Sinkers. Tim and, and Joe, we, we had no incidents. Tim did not fall asleep. As he says, he, he wants to, wants it to be known that he did not fall asleep. Although if you want to see Tim in action, add F words pod on Twitter. <laughs> Zach was apparently taking like secret photos of Tim the entire, the entire time. Have to um, document. Uh, it was rowdy on the way back for sure. We got into some music debates. We had to, we had to, you have to create a piss quorum to stop the bus um uh, just a really fun time and thank you to sinkers for for doing it man it was really really cool and i can't wait to have the we're gonna have a like a russell's bourbon party here coming up in a couple of months so you
1: know this is the perks of uh listening to this show like if you listen to the show you're gonna get perks from our sponsors and this is one of the many perks uh coming ahead i mean sinkers is uh I think what it was an anniversary or something that's coming up soon that we're going to. Yep,
0: yep. They got a big time anniversary. Out coming Probably
1: up. live at, and it's going to have food, drinks, parties. You gotta, you gotta be, you got to join the in crowd and join the Bob for a football, uh, football and other F words if you could. And then just enjoy the, the, the information and, uh, advanced access. Uh, favorite part of the trip was what Zach? I I just thoroughly enjoyed learning everything about like we pulled up, right? So we pulled up at the front of these two, the two buildings that I took a picture of and that you, you showed and Nate's like, Oh, these are probably really old ones that aren't even being (laughs) used anymore. (laughs) Those are the ones we go into. And I mean, there were talking broken windows. Yeah. Like it is, it looked like it survived something. Then you go in and it is just, barrel after barrel row and columns and floors yeah. and it, it's it's mind-blowing it's that all this product is sitting there it's been sitting there for 10 years like all that product has been sitting there for 10 years
0: and wh- and again where it sits the temperature yeah. the humidity like it's just it's so much that goes into again the exact same recipe tasting very very differently uh of course the south park uh 12 year old that i am my favorite part of course the bunghole. If you're watching us, that is, they let me keep a bunghole, which is apparently the thing that goes into the hole of the barrel. And the thing that you stick that you saw in the video that you stick into the barrel is called the whiskey thief. Also a great word and a great name uh, for, for, for something you just drink whiskey out of. Um, so again, bunghole and whiskey thief, two of my favorite parts as well. There it is right there. Smells mm. got a hint of honey, you know, some floral notes. Pretty good. Pretty good. It was, it, was it was a, a good of, trip, and everybody got their own fun.
1: row on the bus, so, so it was very oh, great.
0: Awesome. Lots of space there. Uh, sinkers, you guys are amazing. Um, also, of course, Kingston Group, also amazing, and part of the reason I'm pissed off right now is the guy who, Kingston Group built our carport, and we love our carport. We're not talking about, like, an old metal rickety carport. We've got Bluetooth speakers. We've got a ceiling fan, like, a, a, a storage shed attached to it. Like, it's, it, this is substantial carport. They did an amazing job. So much so that I used the same guy who built the carport to do this little job we've got upstairs. It's happening right now. Well, we're trying to do a new oven hood in our kitchen. The the people we had to use will remain nameless. They cannot figure out a way to freaking install this stupid oven hood. So you know who's going to help me solve the problem? My guy from the Kingston group. My guy is going to be here all afternoon trying to figure out how to fucking fix this stupid oven hood problem that this other company who I had to use can't fix. So just another endorsement personal experience as they say in the business with the kingston group just talk to them first please for the love of god talk to them first yes they solve all your problems (laughs) you have you have marital issues you need a babysitter talk to the kingston group they'll take care of you uh buildkg.com okay i'm gonna calm down and we're gonna talk about ryan Tannehill flying planes (laughs) Uh final thoughts on Titans OTAs. We'll get to what's next in a second, but now that it's over, it's wrapped up, we went through the process. What what's what's your top thought as we walk out of Titans OTAs, Zach?
1: Uh I guess that the it's it's really hard to figure out what my top thought is. It's almost like OTAs is going exactly like I thought it would. So it's not like I have some surprise takeaway. I guess the biggest surprise takeaway would be now even think it's really that much of a surprise is that Malik Willis has more good than bad at practices. But if you listen to what Mike Vrabel says about going off script, this last practice and talking about what Malik Willis still has to improve on, it's still the same stuff that Malik Willis has to improve upon. Like, yes, his footwork is better. Yes, maybe his release is better and he looks more comfortable in certain non-game situations, but as soon as they thrust him into a third-down decision and situation to get out of the huddle, he f- still has to improve upon that particular situation, which is the whole point of what happened with Malik Willis last year is that they were not comfortable with him operating the full breadth of the offense. Whether that offensive scheme is good or not or the playbook is good or not is irrelevant. Even if it's a bad playbook, which is apparently a predictable playbook if you listen to AJ Brown and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cincinnati Bengals, he still couldn't run it and he's yeah. still having those issues though he has cleaned up and improved upon a lot. These next 5 weeks are going to be crucial for him to continue his development, same for Will Levis. But I am ready everybody's like well we'll just see how he is in training camp and training camp will tell us a lot game situations is what's going to tell me preseason you can glean a little bit but unless he's stressed into a game i don't know if i'm changing my position like he's gonna have to change my position in an nfl game
0: uh i yeah two things are true he has shown marked improvement yes he is clearly a better player a more polished player a more professional player not of none of which should be surprising considering one of the few positive not few positives one of the main positives from last year as only a rookie was his sort of like work ethic and clear desire to get better that's true all of that is true and he still might not be good enough to start as an NFL quarterback that also could be true as well And I think that's sort of where I stand on it with you as well, which is I think fans should be uh, should it's, it's fine to feel excited or optimistic that he has made progress. It doesn't mean you need to go overboard with it. That, 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 and here's the other thing, five weeks off, even if he's working every single day, I don't know if he can learn the thing he needs to learn to be good enough to start, because the only way you really can learn that thing is by throwing footballs against the defense. And and so I don't know I don't know how many reps you can take like mentally, and, and improve over over the course of this this whole deal. I, I is this a crazy hot take that Will Levis and Malik Willis are closer than Titans fans want them to be?
1: Well, mm, in terms of
0: preparedness for the NFL, well, I
1: guess, I guess it, what I I guess it depends on what did you think they want them to be like? Did you? Th- I guess because I don't know which way you're trying to lean. Are you trying to say that Will Levis isn't is is a little bit more advanced, is a little bit more of a year two player than Malik Willis is? Or I guess what are you trying to say?
0: <laughs> um, I expected Will Levis to be clearly, significantly ahead of Malik gotcha. Willis, even as a first year player.
1: Would I bet on that? Yes, for sure. I would have bet, and I probably did even say it and bet on it. Uh, but that's one, I mean, that's one of the things I would bet on. But am I surprised that Will Levis looks like a guy trying to learn how to swim? No, yeah, because I, I think that's we right. also that's have right. to remember that I and I keep saying this Will Levis was not good in college, <laughs> so I mean. <laughs> I'm not surprised that he is not showing the signs of advanced rookie quarterback play that everybody tried to tell me that he was going to exhibit.
0: Well, this is where I would, I have to obligatorily say, is that even a word obligatorily? I have to, I am obligated to say that he had a pretty Damn good 2021. And I don't want any I, I, argument yeah, from I, you. I don't want any argument from you. Okay. You have your opinion. I have my opinion. Let's move on. I just think, I think
1: pretty damn good is very pretty damn extreme. I think
0: <laughs> I think what's interesting is going to be like the fact that they're kind of maybe closer than I expected. Maybe Malik Willis is a little better than I expected. Will Levis is not as good as I expected. Let's say I, let's leave, let's say it like that, maybe is a better way to put it. But that if Will Levis has all the same attributes mentally, work ethic, etc. that Malik Willis has, which I think we all believe he does, then he will take that same big step next year. And this time next year, will be way ahead of Malik Willis, is my opinion. So I while I think they're maybe a little closer than I expected, I still think Levis is ahead, and Malik has had an entire season to develop. So I think that that's, that, that's where... I mean, he, hell, he started football games in the NFL for Christ's sake. So
1: well and I think another difference is that Mike Vrabel even mentioned that Will Levis is not making the same mistakes over and over and over that was not the case for Malik Willis and technically probably still not the case cuz he's still making right. some of the same mistakes. So the I guess the pace of growth from Will Levis will pr- likely be faster than the pace of growth of Malik Wills just based on a a myriad of factors like not repeating the same mistakes and his experience in a pro style offense that will help speed up his growth. I think any kind of, I guess any kind of takeaways where you're saying that, you know, quarterback a, uh, or I guess quarterback B and C, but quarterback B is worse than quarterback C and all this kind of stuff is like, it, it they should sort of, and we kind of talked about this on football under the efforts and on this show, when we're previewing OTAs, they should kind of be on the same level. I think, I think we even said they should be on the same yeah. level. I just yeah. don't think we either of us had faith that they would be on the same level, but they should be on the same level. If will Levis is as good and they kind of are I understand. Oh, Malik wills two red zone touchdowns. And while he threw two interceptions,
0: They were, they were batted in the air, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Deflected at the line. Uh, So D good says this. If they started the same year, Levis would be ahead of Willis with a year year head start. They are on equal footing. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like that they are closer than I expected. I still think Levis is ahead. And that is with an entire year of playing NFL football games. He actually started some games Malik Willis did. So I think it's a good thing for Titans fans, but the difference is, I mean, not the difference. The key is it should be like that because Will Levis was graded out as a upper first half draft pick and Malik Willis wasn't so like this is where it should be right like th- th- he should be further along and I think Titans fans have a right to be optimistic about what Will Levis might look like at this stage next year because I think this stage this year he is clearly ahead of where Malik Willis was last year by by a pretty like if you compare them both like rookie OTA minicamp OTA year one for Willis year one for Levis Levis is leaps and bounds ahead of Willis so I think it's 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 sort of giving Willis the extra kind of oomph here to to say that we're on level playing field. Christian Fulton was at practice. Um apparently he's fully healthy. Apparently he's learned how to manage all of his issues. I, I think what's interesting is
1: Completely healthy, but only stretched and then went back inside.
0: Yeah. Um, and by the way, Clubhouse says also, as of today, they do, they roster all three quarterbacks. I think with the new rules, there's a very good chance that they are carrying three. Yeah, quarterbacks. I think that was yes.
1: everybody's first instinct yeah. in Titans media is that this is this is yeah. a good thing for the Tennessee Titans.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're out of the Ryan Tannehill business next year. And so I think the perfect scenario is that Will Levis is ready to start next year. And Malik Willis is a quality backup for either trade purposes or football purposes. That is, I think, the goal of, of what their current situation is. Christian Fulton, I, I think what's interesting to me is I, I am okay with players communicating with coaching staffs and trainers that I'm going to try something different. I'm going to be a little different. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I just think we have to reiterate one really important factor. This is the most important chunk of time in Christian Fulton's professional life. Like, whatever happens... Over the course of the next six months. For Christian Fulton. When he's away from the team for the next month. When he's at training camp. When they get into games. No matter what happens. No matter what his approach is. No matter what Mike Vrabel says. No matter what he says. No matter what happens. It is the most important six months of his entire career. Because if he's great. And he's good. The Titans are winning. And he makes a shit ton of money. If he's not. Then he doesn't. So. (laughs) <laughs> no pressure, big guy. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy that the most games he's played is 13. Like, hello, I, I. This whole Fulton thing is a feels like a the last remnants of a John Robinson era that everybody's still trying to cl- make work, right? Like, like, like a limping yeah, hamstring. <laughs> yeah, like Caleb Farley's still there, but that's yeah. nobody really cares that Caleb Farley's still there. Same with Dylan Rayens, but this just feels like. It's so odd how that 2020 draft class just just can't stay healthy or can't amount to anything. And I I look at Christian Fulton and I'm like, we have seen tangible evidence that when he's healthy and can be a physical man cover corner, it works, right? Like we've seen proof of concept. But the problem is, is that there is nothing going on that instills confidence in anybody over the last year and a half. You know, all last season up to this offseason, that makes me think that is he even going to get paid ten million dollars a year when he becomes a free agent? Like he has to, he has to show out. And if he shows out, if you're the Titans, you have to let him go, right? Like I, even if he I, shows I, out, yeah. you have to let him go. You cannot. Sign it's almost a guy like, like Christian Fulton to a big contract.
0: It's almost like what you want out of Christian Fulton. So he's missed uh, 20 out of 50 total games. He's played in 30 out of 50 total career games that are possible. So that's a big, big chunk. That's he's basically at 60-40 play or not play. He's good when he plays. He's not obviously available. I think what's fascinating is what if you're if you're ran Carthon in a moment of privacy and honesty. What do you really truly want? And you're like. I want above average, consistent, healthy Christian Fulton, who's not great. So therefore, the asking price isn't high enough. And maybe I get him on a short-term deal to prove it again. And maybe that's like you're almost rooting for him not to be elite because you're not going to win a Super Bowl this year.
1: If you're a Tennessee Titan fan or someone in the front office, this is what you want. You want that or better because you want the comp pick. You want yeah, him to true. hit free agency, and you want him to get overpaid by someone else so you can get a comp pick that you are, you are needing for 2025 because it won't take place this year. So you need, a, you need more draft picks, and the, the San Francisco 49ers loved compensatory story picks. So they need, and I'm sure Rand's going to be the same way, so they need him to show out, stay healthy, get paid by someone else. Because I think paying right. him, if you're the Tennessee Titans, even if it's a modest contract, is a mistake. So far, and this is my, here's my big takeaway from Mike Vrabel's press conference and OTAs, and what Chris Harris has said, what all the coaches have said so far. My big takeaway is that the Tennessee Titans want their these free agents they just signed to earn a second contract with them, because Mike yeah. Vrabel loves every fucking free agent they signed <laughs> no joke he these are yeah. the guys you can tell by the way he talked about it yesterday where he talked about art and aziz all the guys sean murphy all these defensive guys that they sign he lights up like you you know how he lit up between kevin byard talk about kevin byard missing practice christian fulton mispractice that demeanor yep, yep. This was the happiest I've ever seen Vrabel in the last, you know, seven or eight months. Was him talking about these defensive free agents. I think they'd rather pay Sean Murphy Bunting for an average season than Christian Fulton for an above-average season.
0: I, I I can't think of and outside of some like absurdly low contract offer, like three years, fifteen million, like something absurdly low. Like I cannot come up with a scenario in which it is the right thing to do to sign Christian Fulton before the season, during the season, after the season. And a lot of times we look at these players and we go, no, if you get the deal done early, you can get a discount maybe because you give them some extra years, you give them some guaranteed money. Maybe you get them a little cheaper price. I, I don't think even doing that is worth it for this. I think you need to see so much more. And so I think there's not, again, unless he wants to come to the table right now and do some weird, absurdly low contract at like $5 million a year or something with all kinds of funky math. There's not even like a scenario where it makes sense for them to even have a conversation like, with Oh, person, I, I don't think, so.
1: listen, it would have to be one of the cheapest contracts that just makes you happy. Right. Or, like, a, one, it, or
0: a one year deal. Maybe. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, like there's just nothing about yeah. Christian Fulton that screams Tennessee Titan long-term. And I'll be honest. Right now, there's nothing about Christian Fulton that screams NFL player long-term. Like, I don't know if he's an NFL. I know it's early in your career, but he's got I, to show I, a lot, a lot If he to, can stay, for me if, to have faith in him.
0: If he can stay healthy, he will have a job in the NFL for a while. He may not be a star. It may not be yeah. highly paid, but he's going to have a job it, it, for a while. I also think they really love, they've invested heavily. Elijah Molden, what, third-round pick, right? Uh, Roger McCurry, second-round pick. Caleb Farley, notwithstanding, you, you, you know, um, you paid Amani Hooker, you paid Burt Bunting, you've got Byard, like they've invested in their secondary, and I think they feel pretty comfortable with the people they've got. Um, and Fulton is is competing for a starting j- job in that secondary. But I think they feel pretty good about like the seven guys, Chris Jackson in the back end there. Trey Avery was getting a lot of run in camp. Like I just think they feel kind of OK with the, how many different types of players that they have. And we've talked about that at nauseum, so we don't need to go down that road. Anymore. Uh, All right. uh, Let's get to the clickbait here. Uh, Are we, are, are we concerned that Ryan Tannehill flies airplanes? Are we concerned? Should, is this a slap in Mike Vrabel's face? Now players aren't allowed to do stuff like snowmobile or like skydive or some of these other things. There are some of those things in contracts, but flying an airplane generally way safer than driving your car so how how we feeling about the ryan Tannehill is a pilot now
1: he's a pilot (laughs) that's bad that's (laughs) on to the next topic like i i don't i guess i don't see the um the numbers for these fluff pieces that the media loves to cling to these fluff storylines like when Theo Jackson, you know, he went to whatever fucking school, loser ass school that is here in Tennessee. See Overton. Um, don't don't. You yeah, don't have to say Overton.
0: loser. You don't have to be yeah. a rude asshole about it. Okay. Listen, listen.
1: Overton, whatever. Those Bobcats, whatever they are, with those stupid uh, songs. I only say loser ass because I like have like ten friends that go to Overton. Okay, that's fine. Ta- Inclu- include ta- Mike. If
0: you're talking shit to your friends, that's fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. Fine. Um, but like these stories just don't do it for me. They never have. They never will. Um, it's like when Traylon Burks, you know, flew got flown in by some random guy that works at a gas station that just happens to have his billy wherever whatever that story was. Um, I, I just don't care. Did you? Did you I, see I, his- I assume though that these stories must do really, really yeah. well because yep. the general public is just really, really stupid, I guess.
0: <laughs> so, I got so, uh, a fan of The Athletic, of course, and although they've laid off a lot of really good writers this week. Um I got a I got I get my news I get a newsletter from a lot of different places but one of them is the Athletic and I was reading this morning there's a like like the third story in the Athletic newsletter today is about Derrick Henry and it's about his origin story and it's about how much fun it was to watch Derrick Henry as a high school senior on YouTube and and I love the Athletic no disrespect which means I can now say whatever I want. Where the fuck have you been on the yeah right on the, yeah, right? High, on the Is that, was that not written by Joe? No, no I don't think it was. It, uh, it,
1: where, where, where ha, Like,
0: wait a second. I went down a rabbit. Like, what what I went it, down like, a rabbit the, hole.
1: Yeah, during the middle of the fucking season uh, last year, like smacked up in the middle of the season. Well, if you hadn't been a running back which position do you think you would have played like who gives a flying fuck we're, we're in 2022 why do we care what position Derek henry would have played when he was in high school i guess back at like 2009 well, like, 10 11 like I, I don't get it like i covered
0: him coming out of high school so i know that i'm a nerd and i'm deep into the weeds on college football and recruiting so like not i don't expect everyone to know he is the all-time leading rusher in high school history in the in the united states everyone knows that Everyone knows that he was six foot two in high school. Everyone knows that he was like a monster. He's a five-star recruit. And he went to Ala freaking Bama. Like he won, he won multiple national championships. Like what, what are you uncovering in this story? And I'm sure, the, like, again, I'm not knocking the writer. I'm not knocking the idea. Like there's still probably people out there that don't know this stuff.
1: And and again, if you, it is fun to. It's kind of comical. Don't know it. Do you think that they're subscribed to the Athletic? Because I feel like the people that subscribe to the Athletic know that story.
0: I would. I would. I would hope that you have, like, if you care about anything football related in this country, you probably sort of know. That Derrick Henry is from the Jacksonville area.
1: <laughs> well, it's. It, I like, wrote about you know, it today for Stack. Josh Dobbs like, was a, yeah. was an
0: aerospace engineer. Like.
1: Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Yeah, uh, you know Antonio Gates played basketball. Yes. You know all that. <laughs> that's, shit. A, that's a that's a, that's uh, a good the, one. Good. The um, but it's kind of <laughs> like it, there's something about the state of journalism today where journalism is a loose description of what actually happens um because it's to a point where the i guess the attention span of the reader or the interest of the reader is not interested in necessarily the in-depth stuff there there is a a place for the in-depth stuff but it's not what the the masses want i mean I don't know There's if Stoney's a- going to be mad if I say this story, but it's a little bit too <laughs> late. His Apple, he just wrote about the Applebee's rum buckets and it did triple the numbers of anything Titans related on Soboros Network, which is, which is insane. and makes you as a guy like me, a sports writer, just want to write well, about Applebee's rum buckets.
0: Well, so, so <laughs> this is, I, we have this debate all the time on mainstream sports. It is a chicken or egg situation. If the vast majority
1: is up to 10,000 page views (laughs) on Applebee's rum buckets. So, but again,
0: again, this is the problem that's not just the media's problem. It's big part the media's problem, but it's also you, the listener, and you, the fans' problem as well. If you guys, the audience, the sports fan, and now we're off in like a media conversation here, if you guys didn't click on the clickbait, it wouldn't be clickbait and people wouldn't produce clickbait, but the clickbait works. And so, therefore, news companies have become aggregators to put out cheap, fast, quick content that doesn't have a lot of depth to it so that you will fucking click on it and it will get into the trend flow. And when it gets into the trend flow, it can go viral and then we can get a bunch of traffic numbers that we can go sell advertising. around. But
1: it's like the DeAndre Hopkins stuff, right? Like, so what happens if, the you know, I wrote a what if the Titans signed DeAndre Hopkins and, but it is 3000 words of actual right tangible information, right? Like it is. It is estimates on looking at offenses of Tim Kelly compared to the offenses of Tennessee Titans, projecting depth charts and all this stuff. You go and look at the pieces that have been written, what would he do for the Titans offense at all fan cited or Titans yeah, yeah, yeah. Wire or Sports Illustrated or anywhere that anybody else writes. It's all the exact same article. It is like, oh, well, the offense is going to be pretty good and they're going to be you know better than what they thought. and But there's no substance to it. Okay, and so, so that's let's, just like this whole to, to put a bow on Titans OTAs. There was I feel like there's a lot of empty calorie takes coming out of OTAs that don't have any substance, whereas the bigger stories is kind of what we talked about.
0: It's it's certainly, and again, like I to your I think it's very important to say there is space for all of it. There is space for state run propaganda, which is Mike Keith and Jim Wyatt and Amy Wells they're very good at their job. They're very interesting people that tell great stories, but they are paid by the Titans to tell those stories. There are other people that are in hot take radio land, friends of mine. And then there's, I think we, we offer a different type of product and there's space for all of it. If you're a Titans fan, you can consume all of it. And Jason makes a great point. He says, I don't know, Tannehill flying around in a buddy Holly prop plane is kind of interesting. Really didn't end great for buddy Holly, of course. Um, But I think like, I think there is, it's sort of, it's, it's how you tell the story that's interesting. To me, what's interesting about the Ryan Tannehill thing, it, number one, there's like a personal story. Like, why, do you, why are you interested in flying? What is it that appeals to you about this? That's not like a sports conversation. That's more of a person conversation. What I do think is interesting is, should NFL teams allow players, what, what's, what's allowable and what's not? Who decides within the Titans organization what is allowed and what is not allowed? You're not allowed to snowmobile through the Arctic You're not allowed to bungee jump in Arizona, but you can fly your own plane. Like, I'm curious who makes that decision, who's involved in that circle and making those decisions. I don't know if Jason, that's the direction you're thinking when you think about this this subject.
1: Buddy Holly stuff,
0: but it was definitely dying in the planes. What you're talking (laughs) about?
1: That's that's what I got out of it. But isn't
0: isn't that the more interesting? Is like what is allowed, what's not allowed, and who just makes that decision? That to me is the more nutritional conversation around that story. I guess I don't know.
1: Uh, listen so i got a video up of we're watching uh you can live stream where your dogs are playing and everything and this dog just took three shits in the floor not a, one of ours luckily and the guy didn't even notice the guy watching him talk, and stuff. talk, talk about just empty galleries turns. yeah
0: <laughs> oh my god i don't even know what to talk about now <laughs> is there anything else how about this any other position groups I think the position groups are more interesting. I think we talked about this on Monday's show. I think the middle linebacker group is, is really, really interesting to track going into camp. The the obvious ones are wide receiver and offensive line, but I think middle linebacker is interesting. We kind of talked about the o- outside linebackers being a little undervalued in terms of conversation around this team. Uh, we've talked already about the quarterback situation. Running back is what it is. I think the tight end group might be a little undercovered potentially, um, but you even brought up Trayvon Wesco on our conversation on Monday. So I think we've kind of reached the end of OTAs and we're ready for a little breather. And it's time for some training camp. Uh, they'll play the Patriots, I guess. Yeah, a, a, a couple a couple practices. There. Uh, we
1: got like fifteen articles about that. <laughs> St- Stony, <laughs>
0: no empty calories on this show. Hey, hey, Braden, the dog just shit three times on the floor.
1: <laughs> just, I just, you know, if you're gonna be in the, the room with show. the dogs, and a dog takes three shits. Show a little. You know, reaction time there, my guy. So,
0: sounds like the dog needs a bunghole plug, is what it yeah, sounds like. There you go. This is bungholes right here, baby.
1: <laughs> All I see is Beavis
0: putting his shirt up over his head. Uh, okay. Uh, you want to talk some SEC football then? Go to Sinkers, by the way. Sinkers Beverages, uh, Kingston Group. If you missed the video of our trip to um, Wild Turkey and to pick out the Russell Reserve, make sure you go check out the beginning part of the show today. If you missed it, uh, please go check that out. All right. So the, the schedule comes out. I'm not going to lie. I thought this was like overhyped and built up into nothing, and it was going to be dramatic.
1: discussion, though, right? Like, is the SEC turning into NFL Junior where everything is going to be hyped up and have its own dedicated night? And I think it was Oklahoma that had someone do the Sooner scribbles. I don't know what the LSU thing is supposed to be. It looked like a praying mantis or an ant holding a human head. Like, oh, a <laughs> giraffe? Or the, is that what the... I, so I, so didn't get, it was I,
0: I was not excited about it, when I was like, "Oh, I guess I'm gonna have to like interrupt family dinner to go watch this show or whatever," yeah. I wasn't like super worked up about it. And then it happened, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is awesome!" And it, what it is you got is
1: sucked in that you did, I did exactly did. what they wanted.
0: But here's why, and it's kind of to your point though. People don't like this is just for one year. The only reason they can do this is because Texas and Oklahoma are joining for the first time, and they have an eight game schedule. It could be a nine game schedule the next year, 2025, which means they could do it all again. And blow up all the schedules again and do it all again, which, if they're smart, that's what they'll do for TV mm-hmm. ratings. But, like, what's interesting about this is that it's like a one time thing and they are putting monstrous games on the schedule. And I think that that part These I got are some sucked good into. looking schedules, right? Like, yes, I got sucked into that part for sure. Like, thinking I mean, about just, the games that are going to happen, and yeah,
1: I well, I mean, like. You can also predict coaching changes off this because obviously Clark Lee he's gone after the Vander- <laughs> this Vanderbilt schedule is brutal. But I also look at the Ole Miss one and I almost think that maybe Lane Kiffin tries to avoid this Ole Miss schedule and leaves after this year. <laughs> like he's like, mm, this schedule looks a little rough. I think I'm going to go take whatever job I'm going to get paid for.
0: My my favorite part, so certainly the biggest games. Like I I, I moved to Nashville from Austin, so Texas and Texas A and M, which has not happened since 2011. Like when you grow up in Austin in middle school playing football, especially like I did, you do not learn your mama so fat jokes. Like that's not what you learn. And you learn like Aggies are so dumb. Aggies are so stupid. Aggies, this. Aggies that. All you do is learn how to make fun of Aggies when you live in Austin. It's like that's what the jokes are. And what I, so that right there, number one, having that game back is just to see it on paper and then to spend a second in your mind and think about what Kyle Field in College Station is going to be like that week knowing Texas is coming into town for a conference game is uh, like, as someone who lived there, it is off the charts. Exciting for me personally, um, the The Alabama at Oklahoma game, Tennessee, Josh Heupel going back to his alma mater to play Oklahoma is fascinating. Georgia and Alabama playing is at awesome yeah. in the regular season. Awesome. I think it's Georgia at Texas too, right? Which is also awesome. Yep. But here's to me the most, one of the most interesting parts of this, And it happens for every team. I'll use South Carolina as an example. South Carolina normally on a schedule will play Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee every single year. They've played them every single year since 1992. They're not going to play a single one of those teams in 2024. However, they're going to play LSU, Bama, and Oklahoma, which which they never play. So to me, that is just a wild thing to look at to see so many crossover games because divisions are gone, remember. It's so wild to see so many new games, and, and, just, and it's all going to be just for one year because they're probably going to go to nine conference games, in which case all of these games disappear, and we go to the three permanent rivals, and then we have a whole new schedule. But like, it is it is wild how different the schedules are going to be in 2024.
1: Well, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, if you're a South Carolina, put yourself in a South Carolina fan's shoes. You you're not playing any of your bigger three rivals over the last few years. You're getting you are getting Kentucky and Vanderbilt on the road. Missouri at home. And Missouri at home. And you know, Lane Kiffin will be gone from Ole Miss by that time. So they'll have a new coach. (laughs) So he'll be there. But like, are you happy with this? I mean, because Uh, I kind of I guess the purest in you, I'm sure, is like. Keep the rivals and all this stuff, but I don't know. This is a pretty exciting, even if it's just for one year, like one season only. You know, that's how you could kind of build it. One season only, you—it's you, complete chaos. Like, I
0: think that I think that's why it's. I think that's why I got sucked in last night. Was like it, I know that this is probably a one-year thing, and so I'm like I'm gonna enjoy the weird oddity anomaly element of it all and just embrace embrace all these bizarre new matchups that we, again, I don't think Kentucky has played. I think Kentucky and Texas have played one time ever in like 1951 and now they're going to play a sec football game. (laughs) Like,
1: and And it's got to go there too. Like, right.
0: Right. And so I think I, 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 to me, what I like that they did, and some of it was based on like competitive advantage, like the best teams over the last 10 years versus the... I do think Vanderbilt got the toughest schedule, but Vanderbilt doesn't have the, the advantage of playing Vanderbilt. So there's that. Um, I think like Ole Miss, for example, plays Vanderbilt and Crossover every year, and they play the West. So if you look at their schedule, Ole Miss is going to play Georgia, Oklahoma, Kentucky, three teams they rarely play ever, they're going to play Florida and South Carolina. That is five teams out of eight that they rarely play, and and one they never play out of conference. So, I, to me, that is interesting. It's it's new, and knowing that it's temporary allows me to sort of enjoy it a little bit more.
1: I, I was a little disappointed that none of Alabama's games are going to be at a neutral site, and I I found it interesting that. There wasn't really a lot of neutral site games, really, and I was, I was a little surprised by that. Uh, well, it's actually, I think it's one more than I expected, actually. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Um,
0: so, our, so Arkansas and A&M always play a neutral site game in Arlington. Florida and Georgia always play a neutral site game. Um, and then Texas and Oklahoma. Those are the three, I think. And I want to say there was like one other one that was thrown in there, potentially. Um, here's some other rules, just so that everybody knows. You can't play the same team in the same place as they do this year. So they had to make it home and home and road splits for next year. Every team had to play Georgia or excuse me. Every team had to play Alabama. Uh, Jesus, Texas, oh or Oklahoma. <laughs> every team had to play one of the new teams at least once. So they're going to play. Everybody. I did like
1: that. I like That's that, uh, uh, which also always makes sense. Like, I guess when people say it, people have been saying it as a big deal and it's a good thing, but also isn't that kind of how the schedule would have to work anyway between those two teams adding them
0: (laughs) kind of. Yes. Uh, like, by, by like mathematics. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think, I think of the two new teams, I think Texas, and this is going to make, uh, Mike and, and others at Broadway sports media, Justin, very happy. Should Texas do what they're supposed to do this year, which is a huge should, they are in a far better situation to enter the league next year with success than Oklahoma, in part. not Their coach is better, their offense is better, their their roster is better, all that stuff, but also their schedule is a little bit easier. Texas got an easier draw than Oklahoma in the first year, and that is largely based on the fact that Oklahoma has been the premier program for 25 years in the Big 12. So I'm okay with that. It just happens to be they might be entering in their into like their toughest two seasons as the program the last 20 years. And Texas you, might be the you, best they've been.
1: Where do you fall in the UT debate? Is it Tennessee oh, or Texas? Because okay. if you're I feel like if you're coming into a someone's home turf, if you're coming into the SEC, you are UT Junior. There has already been a well-established UT in this conference, I do not think you can carry over your Big 12 likeness over, in, or over into this conference.
0: Okay, I'm loose. I'm stretched out. I'm ready to go.
1: And also, if it wasn't for Tennessee, Texas would, would still be uh, not part of the United States. The
0: University of Tennessee, I believe, was founded in the 1700s. 1794, maybe? I don't know exactly what the number was. Texas was not a state in our union until 1845. And the reason they became a republic, their own country, in 1836 during the Texas Revolution was because motherfucking volunteers from Tennessee went down there and died to make Texas a state. A hundred years after the University of Tennessee was established as the University of Tennessee, the University of Texas was established. So Tennessee is the real UT by a long shot. Having said that, who's the better football program over a hundred years? They both began football in 1902. Texas is the better football program. They are the bigger, more powerful football program. They have won more national championships. They have won more football games. They've been to more bowl games. They have churned out more talent. They've put in more draft picks to the NFL. But Tennessee is not very far behind. So I think Tennessee is the original member of the SEC. Tennessee being 100 years older. And Tennessee literally being the reason that Texas exists as a state today. To me, the nod goes to Tennessee. I think it's a no-brainer. I don't see how anyone could argue my brother's a Texas grad. I'm a Tennessee grad. I have had this argument and won every time. I, I mean, I agree. Case.
1: I mean, I agree with you because you're you're coming into someone else's home turf. You're going to have to figure out a new little nickname you, or just call yourselves the Longhorns or whatever you want. You know, you just can't be UT. You can be UT Junior or UT, uh, you know, Dose if you want, but you How can't you- be – how do you feel about South
0: Carolina fans that call themselves USC?
1: Oh, I hate it. I think <laughs> it's stupid. Uh, you call yourselves SCAR if you want. Um, but you I was are, right. you are I not was right. USC. 17
0: I was 1794 was the yeah. year that Ten- University of Tennessee became the University of Tennessee. Technically um, they started as Blunt College.
1: <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh but yeah, like uh, I don't know. I- I'll be I mean, look, g- going back into the actual football analysis side of things, because we both agree on the U- University of Tennessee's UT. Suck it, um, Herndon. Yeah. The, uh, I look at the schedule, and I think the most intriguing team for 2024 that I'm interested to see what they do in 2023 to get themselves ready for 2024 is Florida. Like, I think hmm. I'm interested to see what Billy Napier does. This season, I don't expect a lot from him, but I'm interested to see what he does to maybe cause a ruckus in 2024. Does he show us enough that okay in 2024 Man. that's the year?
0: That is a so they it's have a, tough a lot, schedule,
1: of, but that's a fun schedule.
0: But they have a lot of work to do. And my concern about Billy Napier in Florida is that they are gonna he's gonna do all the hard work to build the foundation for the new program to be good because they didn't have any of that infrastructure scouting departments and graduate assistants and sort of recruiting. You have to have now an NFL style scouting department that scouts other rosters in college football. And Florida had none of that. They haven't recruited under Dan Mullen. Jim McElwain didn't build it. Will Muschamp didn't build it. And what I think is interesting is like, I could see Florida's going to be in really good shape coming out of 2024. Let's say as a program from like a structural standpoint, the question is does has Billy Napier won enough games to be the guy to take advantage of all that work? And you mentioned their schedule and you look at what they've got, and you are home against LSU, A&M, Kentucky, and Ole Miss. You're on the road against Texas, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and neutral with with Georgia, of course. So it's what's interesting is that there's some really tough games, but it's also you could also manage it. You, you can win some of those things. Yeah, like, I mean,
1: are you gonna be Kentucky Vanderbilt Or are you going to get back to being like at the LSU University of Tennessee level? Like, I'm so interested what we can take away from this season in projecting the 2024 season. But I just want to say, looking at the Florida uh, schedule itself for 2024, I want to see what they can do in 2023. So as they can, are they going to be something in 2024? Because they got a lot of games that they are able to maybe disrupt. In can we hear you?
0: Hey, man, There you are. Um, uh, Tim. Tim says he's really disappointed in Auburn's schedule. I, yes. I like Auburn schedule. So anyway, yeah, it.
1: I'm I'm interested. In, I mean, like Auburn is going to be a couple of years behind, probably Florida and that kind of progression. I'm interested to see what Arkansas does after this year because they lose or going to lose a few players that are valuable. And they have a kind of winnable schedule for the most part in 2024. It's going to be a very interesting SEC year, record wise, right? Because, like, yes, yes. Vanderbilt's not going to win a game, but everybody else <laughs> uh, seems like it could almost be like a bunch I, of eight and eight teams even though it's not eight I mean technically that wouldn't make sense but this you know, will make like, this will like make 500 teams
0: this will make Tim happy because I think the one thing I disagree with you on is I think Auburn's gonna jump past Florida quickly oh wow because, because I think that's what Hugh Freeze does the question is do they burn out quickly as well I think that's the question they, they will play Oklahoma Texas A&M and Arkansas at home I, I think Tim I think you guys got an incredibly difficult schedule Vanderbilt's on there because you need a win But Bama, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri at home. Maybe Auburn fans, maybe, Tim, you don't look at Missouri as like an interesting game, and I get that. But Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, A&M, Arkansas, that's that's five bangers. And then Kentucky's pretty decent. I know that's not a a rival, but you don't get to play them very often. So enjoy going to Lexington, man. Go drink. Go back to bourbon country, Tim. You know? Go have a good time up there in Lexington. Lexington's a great place to go watch a game. So I don't know. I like Auburn's schedule.
1: I think it's, it's hard.
0: It's account. hard. It's hard. Every one of these is hard. I caught some, I caught some shit on Twitter for, um, from Tennessee fans. Cause I thought I heard some people complaining about stuff and I saw a few complaints and there were a few quote tweets and like everything on Twitter, Zach, you kind of can get caught up in the moment and you fire off a tweet. Cause you're, you have a reaction to something and the world tells you, you were wrong. Um, I, I saw a couple people quote tweeting Tennessee fans who are like complaining about how the sec office screwed up, o- screwed over Tennessee and, You know, Danny White and Josh Heibel didn't do their jobs. And of course, it was only like three of them. So I told Tennessee fans to stop bitching and then I got ratioed hardcore on on Twitter. So uh, I guess that means Tennessee fans, the vast majority of them are acting appropriately, which would be a change. So apparently they are accurately okay with their schedule, which I think they should be because, you know, it's a tough schedule. They're all tough. Look at, yeah, it's a lot of tough schedules.
1: I mean, like it's just naturally tough because you're in a naturally tough conference.
0: Uh, And here's the last thing I'll end with why I want nine games. I, I don't want, like, if you are a big boy program who wants to play big boy college football and compete for national championships, you want a big boy schedule. Quit hiding from the nine game conference schedule. You want a big boy schedule. I want Florida. If I'm a Tennessee fan, I want Florida every year. I want Alabama every year. I want, If I'm Alabama, I want Auburn, I want LSU, and I want Tennessee. Like You should want the big boy games because the, 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 the committee on a 12-team playoff is going to put you in if you challenge yourself. If you're 10-2, and two, you're going to get in. You might get in at 9-3 and three with those kind of schedules. I think you should want the tough games, watch great football, resumes, and all that shit. Don't worry about it. Just give me the best possible football. That's what I want. Yeah. End of, I'm end, with of you. Rant. end of rent. All right. Uh, sorry about my technical difficulty there. I smacked my computer because I was so worked up. So there you go. Uh, otherwise, Sinkers Beverages, truly I don't, <laughs> one of the most unique experiences of my entire broadcasting career to get to go do that, see how it all unfolded, see how it all worked. And that only comes from a product and a place like Sinkers Beverages, who was the liquor store of the year in 2022 uh, by the Nashville scene. I don't know about you, but they're way ahead of the game in 2023 uh, with my vote. So go check out Sinkers Beverages. Sign up for the in crowd. You're going to have access to all kinds of cool allocations. we got other events we're planning. You've already seen now what they can do. we got more stuff coming for you guys as well. And the Kingston Group, just avoid problems with your house, with renovations, with buying and with selling. Just call them. Let them help you out. Let them talk you through the process. They will absolutely do something for you. Uh, You will benefit from having that relationship. I promise you. So go check them out. BuildKG.com. Stacking the inbox as well. Football and Other F-Words. Zach, where can people find you?
1: At F-Word Spot on Twitter, and Football and Other F-Words, obviously, as well. Every Wednesday, we had a good show with Cole. Uh, oh yeah, guest last week? name? Yeah, we had Brown. a guest this week. Uh, Cole Brown. Um, it didn't sound right, and I started second-guessing myself, but Cole Brown, uh, former scout, scouting assistant, who's also done some recruiting stuff. work and all this kind of stuff for various college programs. It's a pretty interesting uh, little insight into possible hiccups in the Titan scouting department with like Ooh. guys like Isaiah Wilson, Christian Fulton, stuff like that. Yeah, there you
0: go. And uh, again, subscribe to StackingTheInbox.com. the uh, Joe and Tim, I hope you guys had a great time. It was great hanging out with you guys. Uh, Adam, Nathan, our main man Grant up there at wild Turkey. You guys were all really, really good. You guys were awesome. It was so much fun. We really appreciate you. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. That's why you listen to the show we're going to have more stuff like that for you. So check out the in crowd and stay tuned rate review and subscribe for Zach. I am Braden. Have a great weekend, everybody.